Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bud in the Bloom, episode 103. Continuing our outfield preview for the 2024 fantasy baseball season, going ADPs 21 through 40-ish. See how far things go as time permits. And we'll wrap it up on Thursday with part three, get you, you know, down the list pretty good and much, much more. But before we do all that, you can find me on Twitter at BDNchick, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod, and my co-host, as always, on the Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Ryan, how we doing, my friend? Dude. What a day. What a huh? what a day. Look at us. Look at us. Uh <laughs> Doing fantastic. We, it, it, for those who don't know, we were, we are a finalist somehow for the, uh, what is it, baseball podcast of the year for 2023, which is, which is just mind blowing. We got that from the FSWA, the the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. I guess around new today, I was out and about around lunchtime, and I I wasn't on my phone, and I checked it and saw your text with some. Some some profanities in there, uh, <laughs> profanities from excitement, as well as a couple other things. So it was just really cool to uh, to see that and be a finalist. I mean, it's so it's it's and, and amongst some like pretty freaking. We're in a league of our own, basically. Heavy hitters, yeah. It's it's. <laughs> I've got the list here. The finalists are the sleeper and the bust, Roto World, Roto Wire, Pitcher List, Crates and Barrels, the Tool Shed. And then us. And then and then us. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's it's awesome. I think it's a testament to the stuff that uh, we've been doing these two years. I know people probably don't want to just hear us sit and pat our own backs, but uh, I think it's worthy of of a cheers, my friend. To you, got a couple couple beers cheers, down here. Friends. You got your noon. Um, I won't steal all your thunder, but just a really cool day to not only just get the recognition um i know you're going to kind of talk about this too but just to just to hear from everybody throughout the day has been really freaking sweet so uh thank you to everyone who has supported the show reached out today asked questions been in the chat like our friend alan delionardis is right now uh we really appreciate everything and yeah i feel like this is only the beginning man yeah no we've uh (laughs) I got to try to say without sounding too sappy and silly on all this because it's not even an acceptance speech. But I feel like I feel like we haven't we won. even won anything. No, but... I feel like we won just doing this. Like we're, I, yeah. I, I don't, I, I didn't expect to get nominated because I've never had been nominated before. Didn't expect. I don't expect to win. Like if we win, God forbid what we do on this show. Like <laughs> it might be a wild one if that were to take place. But um, yeah, I don't plan on winning. But I, I just want to. It's just um, I'm trying to figure out the right words here. I guess when people ask me why i'm crazy enough to record as many shows as i record and i say it's because i like to do it when a thing like that comes across that makes it well worth it like that's kind of like the acknowledgement from your peers basically like we do this for the listeners all the comments text messages dms have been more than amazing like that keeps the train rolling in a big big way but to uh like going back to our um our new year's resolutions when i kind of mentioned like the whole analyst uh thing getting a nomination is like a step in that direction. Like that's like a, Hey, um, you guys are actually pretty good at this. Uh, so that's uh, it, it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I'm not one that likes to sit there. Like you said, pat our backs. It's not my thing, but it's one of those all day today. It was just kind of like a, what the heck is going on thing. And next thing you know, there's another text message. There's a DM. There's like I said, messages on Twitter. I just didn't stop. And you guys are amazing. And uh, we do it because of you guys. But we also do it because we like to work together, and I couldn't do it without Ryan. So that is Bubba and the Bloom. So it's kind of a, it's a great yin and yang situation here. It works well together. We've heard a lot of compliments for that, and um, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's been a, a day that's been really, really awesome. 
and you don't get me speechless very often, so I'm trying to get through this, but uh, it's a, an accomplishment that I did not expect. Even some people that know me very well, because I do have chips on my shoulder, messaged me today, and they said, it's about damn time. That's all they said. And I'm like, um, I, 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 it just it means a lot to me is all I'm trying to say. Well said. Well said. Didn't get didn't get too sappy either. So uh, so so well said. Um, but yeah, the the episode that we submitted just quick peek behind the curtain was our uh, I think pretty popular ADP pockets episode. We we did a series of like this was back in draft season. Um, we'll like, do them again this year, and we will We're do coming. them again this year. Yeah, absolutely. After our position previews are done, we'll go back through the player pool in the middle round. So like ADP one hundred to one fifty, one fifty to two hundred, two hundred to two fifty, all the way up. Um, it was ADP two hundred to two fifty episode last year that uh, that we submitted and and got got nominated. So um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's all yeah. I have to say about it without getting yeah. too. Too repetitive, but yeah, a couple couple adult beverages with us as we as we do outfield part two tonight, just because we gotta gotta celebrate these little moments. They don't come across that often. No, they don't. So I'm pretty pumped on it, and uh, let's not forget the fact that Ryan also got nominated for another award for his amazing writing this year. So uh, you already have you have two of them behind you, or just one? It's two, right? You have two of them back there. Got 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 two trophies over there. Yeah, years. so that. So in reality, Ryan could have four by the end of all this. So let's just uh, let's root for that. Let's root for the big one here. That uh, that's where the fun begins, and I'll pay for the second one for the love and the bloom. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll get a I'll get a shelf to put back here if I have to to have that bad boy uh, we, up there. We, but, we, don't, we, uh, we don't want to, we don't want you to upgrade your setup too much here, man. Yeah, like, God you gotta, forbid. You got to keep Will Clark. You don't you don't want to give him any competition behind you. No, he gets he gets pissy. So we're not going to do that. But uh, yeah, don't forget Ryan. Awesome writing stuff as well. Nominated once again as like a year in year out thing. So hopefully number three, award number three coming through. So yeah, that's where Ryan gets quiet. All right, uh, let's go to the listener leagues. Uh, we mentioned last week we're kind of waiting to see how things are going. Things got better over the weekend. We can say we will for sure. We still need signups to make this happen. We're going to tweet it out tomorrow because we were going to tweet it out last week, but. The world kind of shut down for a second in the NFBC world. They're back. We've talked to the guys. We're going to have four, at least four leagues set up. Individual prize pools, $50 entries. And uh, there will be an overall member. There's no overall financial prize. But if we fill at least four leagues, which I think we will, there will be a prize, which we will announce on the show, that we will take care of and send to the winner. So those will be happening. Now, a couple, couple quick things. I'll, I'll pass it off to you. If you want to get us your email address, that works out. If not, I'm going to create a survey on Google, uh, whatever Google survey thing they call it these days. And forms, I'll, uh, I think. Forms, yeah. Most of you guys DM'd us your information, so we'll send you the link to the forms. There will be four dates to pick from, Ryan. And we've confirmed the four dates with with Greg uh, and Brocious at the NFBC. So it's going to be – we tried to split these up like different days of the week, uh, different times to pl placate the East Coasters, the West Coasters, whatever. Um the four dates are February 19th at 5 p.m. Eastern, February 23rd at 5 p.m. Eastern, February 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern, and February 28th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Either Bubba or myself will be in, in one of those drafts. We're not going to do the same league. We're, we're going to split it up to do two each. We won't, we won't tell you who's in which one yet. Uh, we don't want to give you know everyone jumping in my league with the, uh, you know, with the advantage over me. 
But those are the four dates that we um, we're going to try and kind of put everyone into a date that works for them. But yes, be be on the lookout for a survey, likely sometime on Wednesday from us, uh, where you'll just enter your info. We'll send it to you, and you can tell us which dates do not work for you. Like rank them one we'll... through four if you can, because we have to be flexible people. Just remember that. Hey man, you gotta you you, you got to see if the survey can do that. Can't can't oh, no. promise functionality I'll, here. I'll talk to some people. There's some people that can figure it out. Um, and out of the four dates, I, I might have missed this, Ryan. I apologize. Uh, two are at 8 p.m. Eastern, and two, I believe, are yeah. at, uh, 5 at 5 p.m. Eastern. So that also flexibility there for you as well. Trying to make it work on uh, different time frames, also. So. We'll have those out to you here in the next couple of days uh, as I'll work on that. It's supposed to be raining here for the rest of the week, so I'll have a little extra time on my hands. I'll take care of that for you and send that your way, and we'll get those signed up. Thanks for all the people that have already signed up. Thanks for all the uh, ratings and reviews. It's been awesome. So, again, kind of how we started the show, you guys are awesome. Thank you for everything. Now, I don't have anything else, Ryan, except outfields. Let's start mm-hmm. off with outfielder 21. We left off last week, top 20. Talking about how things start to drop off pretty quickly. You want to get at least a couple of those guys pretty early. ADP 95. We're not even out of the top 100 yet. We kick it off with Schwarbombs, Kyle Schwarber. And we kind of all know the narrative. If you play baseball or fancy baseball enough, power, ridiculous. 47 homers, back-to-back 46 or more home run seasons. Uh, 108 runs scored, 104 RBIs, zero steals, which is weird from the drop-off from 2022. But the conundrum. You get a buck ninety-seven. So how do you make that work with your team, Ryan? What are your thoughts on shore bombs? Because you know he's a, an amazing three-category stud. If he can steal ten bases, I call it four categories. But um, when you look at everything else, it's a little rough. It is, and it's and this is an entirely team construction pick, which I know like is always always kind of a lazy answer. But I, I put out a a tweet earlier this week, a bloom board earlier this week, looking at hitters who had a certain ADP this time last year, outperformed that ADP, and then yet have still dropped in ADP uh, compared to last year. So Kyle Schwarber's the top one on that list. Kyle Schwarber had a 61 ADP last year. He finished in five by five leagues, 38th overall, even with that sub 200 batting average, uh, Bubba, that you mentioned. Finished 38th last year and has an ADP now of 95. So, like, from a pure valuation standpoint, that makes no sense. Makes no sense at all that Kyle Schwarber, A, has even dropped, or B, should even – I mean, he should be going up in ADP. The problem with Schwarber is, is and I'll say probably say balance 50 times on the uh, on the show tonight, but you need to get someone with – with batting average and stolen bases to counteract that and to balance that out. And that's the problem with Schwarber. There just are not many players in the player pool that are high batting average and high stolen base at the same time. So it's just something to keep in mind with Schwarber. Like the batting average is going to kill you. Uh, The stolen bases are going to kill you. Um, But from a valuation standpoint, it works. So you just need to be mindful of that. When you're constructing your team, OBP leagues, Kyle Schwarber's a fantastic early round pick. I took Schwarber in the third round of Tout Wars OBP last year and was very happy with that. So Schwarber can definitely make some sense. And one one interesting thing, um, we didn't kind of do like a macro level of this of of outfielders 21 through 50. There's not much power in the outfield uh, from 21 to 50. 
there are only like four guys projected by ATC to hit over 25 home runs. And so like power is an issue for me, at least. And I've experienced this in my draft with this stage of the outfield and Kyle Schwarber can certainly with a 41 home run projection, uh, make that, uh, a lot easier to manage. So, um, it's a tough, it's a tough call if you, but you just had to have to be able to make the pieces work with, uh, with Mr. Schwarber. Yeah. You got to get some batting average assets. And the suggestion I would give is get batting average assets early. That's why like the Freemans of the world and those guys don't rely on Luis Arise to be your batting average asset. We talked about hey, that. On, hey, hey, hey. We talked about that on the middle infielders. <laughs> 12 minutes in and we've got Arise slander. What, what are we doing, man? It's because he's just he's a, he's the rabbit version of batting average where at least those other guys early on provide other categories. That's where I was going with this. So don't rely on a one-trick pony to uh, to help you uh, build your batting average back up. All right. Uh, Lane Thomas, ADP of 114 right now. Uh, we got a uh, last year, 28 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 268 average, scored 101 runs. Big coming out party for Lane Thomas playing on 157 games. Question is, can he repeat that this year? And I'm, I got people saying the step back is coming from Lane Thomas, and I think that's understandable. That's expected maybe in all things considered, but still could be a good player that helps you out in four to five categories at this point in the draft. That's where I think I'm at too. Um, and actually, Lauren Auerbach laid the laid the case out for Lane Thomas quite well in your um, Bench with Bubba Nationals team preview. She did a great job on that, by the way. Mm-hmm. But uh, awesome. I I think I think you are buying Lane Thomas coming off of a career year. He's not repeating what we saw last year, especially batting average. And I have concerns about the power. And he's not repeating, probably not repeating that uh, sky high plate appearance total either. That said, this is a nice, pretty balanced piece from a projection standpoint. Um, where is he at? Thomas is a little bit behind. He's the 78th hitter in terms of projection, 63rd going off the board. So he's a little bit behind, but um, that's factoring in some good, some good pullback. And again, you get that balance. So uh, if you need steals and you don't want to go rabbit hunting for Asteri Ruiz two rounds later, um, I think you can piece it together with Lane Thomas and a few other kind of later speed guys that we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, I can definitely see that as an option. Like I, I said, not big on Lane. I think if you kind of missed out on enough outfielders in the first 20, then Lane maybe fits the mold a little bit. But I agree there are some guys we're going to talk about later on that give you a little more four to five category appeal. Still not a ton of power per se, but I don't think Lane's going to have that power either. Yep. Seiya Suzuki has about the same ADP of around 114. This is a guy I believe you're pretty high on, and uh, I don't disagree with you. 20 home runs, uh, six stolen bases, 285 last year, 75 and 74. Uh, battling injuries, especially early in the year. So I'll let you have the floor on Seiya because I know, pretty sure you were one of the ones that's a fan of his. Big fan. Uh, Seiya is probably my favorite buy of any outfielder on this list actually so i'll stick my neck out that far i think we had a listener question on suzuki either last episode or two episodes ago so i won't won't totally rehash everything i just said but um the projections love suzuki he's a 47th hitter projected uh at the end of the year by hq and the bat x which is out uh publicly you should check that out on fan graphs and the 61st hitter off the board um I think, and that's projections even taking into account, say, Suzuki's first half when he missed time with an oblique injury and a neck injury. I think we saw the more 
Suzuki version in the second half last year, which was which was just an elite hitter. Um, I think yes, health is a little bit of an issue uh, over Suzuki's first two seasons, but the skills are absolutely there. I think I think Seiya Suzuki could be like a fourth or fifth round pick uh, this time next year. I think he's I think he's really good. Yeah, I'm starting to believe in that. If the steals can get up to like the 15 number, which maybe could because the oblique injury in the first half, that could be fun, which could also be lead to 30-ish home runs, give or take. So there's a lot to like there. I know um, over this past week I had a lot of underdog drafts while I was hanging out watching football and whatnot, and um, Saya was a big target of mine in those drafts. I think there's a lot to like with him and it's because he got OBP skills too, which in those formats work really, really well. So I'll throw some underdog nuggets out there. I've been spending a lot of time in those streets lately, kind of trying not to enter every NFBC league. So I've been doing those instead. And it's been a nice little change of pace uh, for the eyes on the different stats you're looking at. It's like your Nicorette. As you yeah, can pretty much. Yeah, out. I got my patch on. It's called the underdog. <laughs> it's called $3 underdog. <laughs> yeah, $3 underdog. It's called the, the bunt. <laughs> it's the bunt. <laughs> I'm just, I'm playing small ball right now, boys. Just trying to, just trying to inch that last run home. It's been, it's been a long winter for Bubba. Yeah, it's cooped up around here. Um, Nick Castellanos also ADP around 114. So it's kind of fun. You got uh, Thomas, Suzuki, Castellanos all going pretty much within a pick or two of each other, depending on what draft you're in right now. And Casty is a fun one because last year, really strong year, 272, 29 homers, 11 steals, 106 RBIs. Year before that was his first year in Philly in 2022, 13 homers, 7 steals, 263. Not the Casty we all knew he could be. I think we were pretty optimistic on a much better Casty year last year. Did really well. Postseason Casty was amazing. That was great. Um, so it just kind of makes you like, is he in between the two seasons? Do we see – uh, you know, another strong season from Cassie. It's kind of what you're looking at here. So what's your thoughts on Cassie? Because I still like him a lot. I prefer Saya, of course. But, like, as you keep going down this outfielder rabbit hole, Cassie does kind of stand out above some of these other guys we're about to talk to talk about. Yeah, I'm not ending up with Cassie anywhere just because I like Suzuki better and Lane Thomas, I think. Um, the, the issue I have, and this is – I don't really have this, like, backed by any kind of data. It's more just like a gut feel. I really worry about the plate approach as Castellanos gets older. Um, the strikeout rate ticked back up last year. Castellanos has a, had a 20% swinging strike rate last season, which is like terrible. I mean, the league average on that is 12%. Very few hitters whiff at, at basically one every five pitches. And I just worry about like Javi Baez 2.0, where you just get this like crazy aggressive plate approach and i don't think that ages very well and castellanos i think is entering his age 32 season uh yes 32 so i worry about the plate approach and the batting average uh going forward that said i think the homers and steals are there the lineup's good um the projection atc for castellanos 25 bombs eight steals like i i feel like that's attainable and that's actually like right in line with say suzuki i just think the floor could bottom out under Casty pretty quickly as he ages with that approach. But again, I don't have anything to like firmly back that up. It's more of just a hunch call. Um, but I just, I, I get some Javi Baez vibes and, and, and you don't really want Javi Baez vibes. Nope. No, you don't. Nope. You don't want Javi Baez vibes. The, the only, like, I guess, uh, you know, I guess devil's advocate I'll put there is yes, there are concerns in that regard, but on this team, like, man, if he's even, it's two fifty, the run production can be tremendous in this lineup. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Unlike Javi or that's just two fifty in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Might as well hit two twenty at that point. But, um, that's yeah. Zach Geloff level RBI totals down there. 
Yeah, yeah. I'll put money on golf having more power and speed than Cassie, though. Um, but we got that going. That's a whole other bet show coming down the road, folks. Jordan Walker, ADP of 124. This guy is quite the enigma these days. Hit 276 last year, 16 homers, seven steals. Early in the year was getting yo-yoed between the bigs and the minors. Kind of got a, a run towards the end, but some people are very optimistic about him. I've always been kind of just off him. I need to see it. Matt Thompson laid out a great uh, bit of info on him on the Cardinals preview that dropped on Tuesday. So what's your thoughts on Jordan Walker? Because after hearing Matt talk, who follows them very closely, it really kind of backed up my idea of not going near Jordan Walker. Okay. Yeah, because I have not listened to that episode yet, but basically, Matt knows his his Basically, he said he's way too much of a ground ball guy and like a line drive hitter. He's not a power bat. Makes sense. Makes sense. And I think I think this was on rates and barrels as well recently. He's like he's playing out of position too. That's the other thing. Yes. And that that I think that does affect you a as lot. a hitter. And again, like the, the classic we want to see it first before we draft him type type approach that both of us kind of subscribe to, even in these more middle rounds. I like a few more proven track record guys going later that we'll talk about, like a Tay Oscar Springer, mm-hmm. Santander type. Um, over at Jordan Walker, fully knowing this is a top five fantasy prospect who's like 23 years old, could break out. But yeah, we just we both need to see it first. Basically, what Matt was saying, I could be a little off, so listen to the the show if you guys want. He thinks about another year, and then he'll be in on a guy like Jordan Walker. He seems to develop more because right now he, the power swing's not there, and a lot of it, like you said with rates and barrels, he says he's out of position. Um, in a in a perfect world, like he wants Goldie back after this year. He's a free agent after this year. If he leaves, Walker goes right over to first. Things make it a lot better in that regard type situation. So uh, just a young player. That's what it is. A young player still developing. So I think uh, it feels like people are kind of getting ahead of the horse on this one. Uh, and, and I'm putting the cart ahead of the horse thing, you know, the old sayings. And uh, that that's kind of where he's, people are, are getting in trouble with Walker. Could he break out? Sure. Like he mentioned the Bad X just came out with their projections. They're much lower on Walker compared to most other projection sites. So to each their own, every projection has got their differences, but it's kind of fun being able to see the differences between each projection now because at least it makes you kind of question things and look at it some more. That stood out quite a bit. Estuary Ruiz. I think this might be a quickie here, but uh, 254 last year, five homers, 67 stone bases. You mentioned those Zach Gelhoff run production numbers. Ruiz, like, hit 254, which is pretty good. Stole 67 bags. Really good. Scored 47 runs and drove in 47. Like, that is dreadful. He's basically a one, let's say one and a half category guy because the average is okay. It's respectable. And you're drafting him at an ADP of 125. Like, I just go right past him on draft day. Yeah, I think if you take a reason at this point, I, I, I think you done messed up. Yeah. Unless your plan is to go Kyle Schwarber, Ruiz, and then Luis Arias. How about that to piece together uh, some category balance? Um, we had a question last week from <clears throat> calling my shot about Ruiz and these types of kind of one category guys and made this point last week. So I'll be, I'll be quick here. It's just like Ruiz. I, I had Ruiz on, on a couple of draft and hold teams last year, and I just could not even use him. I was so far ahead in stolen bases. I had Acuna, some other guys that like, and this is the case with these speed only types, like he could steal 80 bases for you next year. Chances are if you're first in your standings, Half of those are are half of those stolen bases are completely meaningless to yep. you in your standings, even though it counts towards you know the valuation that sort of thing. So um, 
I'm just, yeah, I, I'd, I'd have to be really, really down bad for some stolen bases to take Ruiz. And even, even if I was, I would just, I'd rather punt steals than, than, than doing all eggs in one basket thing with, uh, with, with Ruiz. Ditto. Spencer Steer, ADP 127. We talked about him before, multi-position all over the place. One reason why he's getting drafted this high right now. Still a very good player. Still actually projects to play pretty regularly in the outfield the way they have their setup. So still good. I just don't know if I can take 127. If you want to add to it now, you can. But like really good numbers, a little bit of everything. But I don't know if I can take that ADP. Yeah, and I think I think this is more of just a draft and hold multi-position inflation i think as fab leagues come you have a little bit more roster flexibility in season spencer steer is going to go down a little bit i just the 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 skills and the projections i don't think are on par with really anyone going around him i think you're paying too much of a premium uh for that multi-position eligibility with steer so yep 100 percent george springer adp of 128 coming off a monster year for george springer for many reasons he had 258 that's kind of actually down compared to usual but 21 homers for the third straight year, 20 stolen bases, a career high. So he went 20-20, played in 154 games, most since 2016, 87 runs and 72 RBIs. Um, the dude's going to be 34 this year. I just can't believe he does this again, Ryan. Springer, honestly, and this is like this has been my guy the last like three years. I've taken Springer, I think like third round in some drafts, uh, as, 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 as recent as a couple years ago. One of the harder ones for me to get my thumb on this year because yes, you're right. Like the 154, whatever games that you just said, Bubba. Like on that, on the one hand, there's no way he can repeat that, right? Um, it's gonna be tough. I mean, he, he he did just do it. He did just do it. So that that counts for something. And George Springer in 2022 did have 579 plate appearances, um, but it's still like it's just a career of of injuries that have me having a hard time believing that on the other hand, however, George Springer absolutely took advantage of the stolen base rules, had a little bit of a more greener light, still plenty successful on the base pass. Like I think he can steal 15, 20. And I think most importantly, he's going to lead off again for Toronto. And I think Toronto, they just signed Justin Turner. I think that lineup is going to be a lot better than what we saw in 2023. And that's going to boost George Springer's counting stats. So, um springer is very tough for me to evaluate the projections for what it's worth have springer uh 15 slots ahead of where he's going in adp and i feel like the projections on springer can be pretty pretty accurate because we we do know who this this guy is so i lean towards taking a shot on springer fully knowing i don't think we're going to get what we got last year yeah it's fair i just i just worried about that step back like like a fun game would be who finishes better on the player Raider, Lane Thomas or George Springer. I know that they're going 14 picks apart. Like that's an interesting, really good comp. I mean, they're that's, like the same dude. Yeah. That's what I'm like. If do you wait on Lane Thomas and go to Springer, hoping Springer can stay there? Or do you think Lane Thomas stays healthy enough to beat out George Springer? That kind of scenario, which is interesting. Maybe just pass on both. Who knows? It's hard for me to take George Springer when you get Teoscar Hernandez at 141. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy like you hinted at him earlier. I I'm mad he signed already. I don't care that he signed with the Dodgers. That sucks, obviously, but I liked him in the free agent limbo because I was snacking him, snack snagging him up everywhere. 258 average, 26 home runs, seven steals last year, 93 RBIs for Seattle, which is pretty solid. Dude's been like a 25 plus home run dude. The counting stats have been good. 
stolen bases. It's usually six or seven. Hits for a decent average. Like I love everything about him. He's 31. He's younger than George Springer. And now he's going to be in that middle of that Dodgers order. And people will say platoon. No, he's not platooning, folks. Like he's playing baseball most of the time. So I love T. Oscar. I'm surprised this ADP actually hasn't gone higher. Yeah, and this is pretty recent ADP. This is all January. I forget exactly when he signed with LA, but I, I'm pretty confident this price of 141 for Teoscar reflects the LA version of him. Um, I, I love I love Teoscar at this price, so I, I won't echo what you just said. The only thing I'll add, Bubba, is I mentioned the lack of power at outfield. I feel like Teoscar is one of the few outfielders here that can get you some pretty – I don't want to say elite power. I don't think this is like peak Teoscar that we saw a couple years ago with Toronto, but I feel I can get you very good power without hurting batting average and even pop a few steals. So I think that's important too, when you're looking at outfield and even the market at a macro level is uh, power, power dries up quicker than you think, or at least quicker than I thought. And Teoscar really stands out. We'll talk about Santana in just a second. He's in this group as well as a uh, pretty stable power bat and there aren't that many available in outfield right now nope there are not and uh since the we took this adp around like early january tioscar has gone as high as 114 so he's uh moving up it's between 114 and 149 so probably more towards that's, the top that half makes sense. yeah and that's more reasonable like 141 is just silly we're talking like a two-round bump almost so all right, so how about how about uh, so to go to our one fourteen crew? That's that's quite the yeah, number. Ver- we have three guys: Teoscar versus Castellanos. Yeah. They have they have the exact not exact same, but very similar ATC projection. Who are you going there? I go Teoscar. I think so too. Yeah. I think so. And I too. like Casty. I don't mind Casty, but I agree with you. If you got to pick a guy that might has a better chance of falling off, it's Casty. Agreed. So I'll I'll take Teoscar. Yep. yep. So no bet, friend. Sorry, no bet. Uh, Evan Carter, the man that took uh, October by storm in Texas, um, almost November. didn't quite get there, uh, but uh, Evan Carter, ADP of 143 over the last couple weeks here. Hit 306 in 23 games with the Rangers, five homers, three steals. Played great, struck out a ton. Um, there could be platoon situations with Evan Carter. I've just been a pass on Carter. I don't know about you. There will be there will be platoon situations with Evan Carter. This yeah. is the famous Chris Blessing stat that Evan Carter had one extra base hit against lefties last year. Not just in the majors, one hit against lefties all season uh, for Evan Carter. So, like, I feel like a platoon is absolutely happening. I also think like this is a guy who is is at at this point in his career a better real baseball player than fantasy. He gets lauded for this like patient plate approach. And they, I mean, full count Carter was a thing in the postseason. but like being able to work counts and draw walks and be passive. It's the Juan Soto disease. Um, just it, it, it's, it's far more valuable in real life than fantasy. I just think Evan Carter is like way overpriced. So yep. I'm not, I'm not touching him. I'm with you. No Evan Carter for me. I've been passing on that one left and right because there's a couple guys coming up here we're going to talk about. I like the next three guys, honestly. Like I'm I'm in on all of them. We'll start with Anthony Santander, ADP of 145, going right after Evan Carter. And dude hit 257 last year. Best average was 2020, 2019. Um, He hit 28 home runs. Switch hitting doesn't affect him in that ballpark. That's back to back 28, 33 home run seasons. Got five steals with the new saves or steals rule, which is big. Runs an RBI. Like the dude just keeps getting better and better. He's only going to be 29 this year. 
hit in the middle of that Baltimore Orioles uh, order. I think he could be even better this year, potentially, like as as a overall category player in Roto. I think he's a really good price tag at 145. Agreed. Uh, echo everything you said, and and the, the points that I made with Teoscar, it's 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 that stable power bat, and there are not many of them. So I, I'll try not to repeat myself too much. But Santander absolutely fits that mold. Um, trying to fish for bets, man. Santander Teoscar, right and next to a, each other. That's a really tough one. Um, I don't have a I don't have a strong feel either way, to be honest. I'd, I'd probably say Teoscar because of the team context. Just overall team context but man like the younger santander there could be a whole other level like i think there's more power with santander yes than t oscar so it comes down to counting stats in the end um, and honestly man t- honestly team context might be a orioles watch. are very good orioles are very good but let's be real like the dodgers should just it should be murderers row it should be like uh, the Dodgers should be doing what the Braves did last year. Half of the Dodgers. I'll push back on that. Half of the Dodgers. If Teoscar hits like seventh. Yeah, I think he hits in the middle of the order. You're hitting around Muncie, Outman, Hayward, Lux. Like, yeah, I don't know. But maybe it's higher than that. I don't know. That's. I think he hits four or five, honestly. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, Santander last year had 95 RBI. And only hit 257, 28 homers. Like that's that's really good. Really if you good want the ceiling contest. play, you take Santander, I think. Yeah. That's I mean, what, they're both fine at the price, yeah. I think. Do you take Santander over Casty? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. I mean, yeah. straight up, I think it's close, but once you factor in a 30 pick difference, yeah. I'm passing on Casty and taking Teoscar Santander. Yep. No, that's fair. I, I think Santander's got it's interesting, like that's the Oscar Santander right there. If you can have a, a double tap at some point and, and or push one up type thing, that's a nice little sweet spot to get some later power from maybe your third and fourth outfielder or fourth and fifth outfielder. Like depending on your aggressiveness at outfield, that's a great way to pencil in like 50 home runs, 255, and runs and RBIs total of like close to 400 between the two. Like that's maybe 15 to 20 steals combined. Like that's a really good like third, fourth outfield type idea. I'm just going to throw mm-hmm. it out there. All right, TJ Friedel. Love me, TJ. 151 ADP. Um, I'll try not to steal your thunder this time, but 279 average, 18 homers, 27 steals last year, leading off pretty much primarily for Cincy. Even got to bat against lefties as the season went on, which was nice to see. Um, I'll let you have the floor before I say anything else on TJ because I like him, but I know there's some things that hesitation is fine. Yeah, I'm a, you're probably higher on TJ than, than I am. I, I like him. I think he's a decent stolen base source, but I, I think Friedel is due for some pretty serious power fallback. That's what I was waiting for you to go to. That's what I was like, like he is, he, he had 13 home runs. No, I got this wrong. He had seven. What did he have? 18. Where's my damn tweet? 18 home runs. 18 home runs on 13 barrels. That's the highest home run to barrel rate in all of baseball. And yes, he did pull, Good number of those barrels. Yes, he is in Great American Small Park. But, like, there's – you can make the case there's, like, very, very little power here, and Friedel may struggle to uh, reach double-digit home runs. I know that's well below the projected 16 homers by ADP. Um, I just – I worry about that. And then I worry about, I mean, the batting average fallback, like ATC projecting 260. Um I feel like, yeah, like he's fine. He's fine. I think he's going to play. The glove's really good, and and that lineup's going to be really good. Um, I just think the only thing you can kind of 
hang your hat on is the stolen bases. And I think there's some there, there's a pretty low floor for batting average and uh and home runs. Yeah, and to back to back your point, remember we talked about this at uh FPAS with with Friedel at home, 13 home runs, 14 steals, 291 average. On the road, five home runs, 13 steals, 267 average. So steals are just fine, as you mentioned, but quite the gap in power and batting average, depending on where he was playing baseball. So something to definitely keep in mind with Frito. Like, I like him because he's going to be leading off, and it looks like he's out of the platoon situation. Fraley's on the bench. So there is something to like there, but I agree. There is concern that there could be a step back if uh, things don't click like they did this last year. The last thing I'll add to, and we'll get to these guys, but there are several other stolen base sources going mm-hmm. pretty soon in the next round that we'll get to. But. Yep, 100%. That's a fair fair point. If you're drafting Friedel for mainly his steals upside, yeah, there's guys coming up. You could do that and wait about a round or two, as you mentioned. Ian Happ, another guy I'm very high on this year. Um, uh, ADP of 151, same as TJ Friedel. I take Happ over Friedel, tell you that much. Um, 248 last year, 21 homers, 14 steals. We've talked about Hap a few times. It's like, you look at his year-to-year productions. He either hits for average and sells out power. Like, it's a vice versa thing. Like, which one's he going to do? Which one's he going to do? Last year, he got a little bit of both, kind of. Like, the average really stunk, but he stole more. Run production was up. It's kind of a – he walked a boatload more. It's like, which guy are we going to get with Ian Hap? In the end, I think it's a pretty good ball player that has the ability to go off if things, like, really go well. But there's also – the floor we've seen with Ian Happ, which could be scary. So what's your thoughts on Happ? Yeah, he's a weird dude, mm-hmm. coffee guy Ian Happ. Um, Happ, good call. Like weird in terms of, see, you just mentioned it. You know the production's going to be there, but you just don't know where it's going to come like from. when you're trying to balance your stats on your team, yes. which one am I counting on? Right, because we've had years of Ian Happ. In 2021, he hit 226, but he popped 25 homers with nine steals. The next year he hit 271, but only 17 homers. And then kind of split the difference last year, 248 with 21 homers. So he's always like a, in terms of like five by five dollar value, like he's always good at this price, like around 18, 20 bucks. But it's just like, is it going to come from batting average or homers or steals or where? But it's going to come, I think. So. Um, I'm fine with Ian Happ. He's he is a playing time monster. He's got that he's got that Marcus Semyon in him where he just does not take days off. And I do think that's valuable, repeatable, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so the projections are just kind of hedging like the midpoint of these wild batting average and homer and stolen base swings, which is about all they can do. Um, but he's gonna play every day. Cubs are gonna a pretty good lineup even if you know if they do sign bellinger that only helps and i would take hap over uh over friedel yep, yep. i would yep. and all signs point unless something crazy happens which can with scott boris looks like bellinger will end up going back to the cubs it's kind of the land it's what it body. seems like it's yeah. what it seems like that's kind of the reports that came out even after like justin turner signed with toronto it's pretty much the only real suitor left is chicago and Boris just does Boris things, waits till the end to suck every last dollar out of every team he can before he signs, which it's his job. But uh, that's all Bellinger's waiting for, it feels like. All right, Jackson Chirio, ADP of 152. Got the extension from the Brewers. Means he should start with the big club this year. We'll see. Projection signs aren't that optimistic on that, though. So we'll see how that goes out. Um, you know, double A, he 22 homers, 43 steals at 280. Did okay in six games in triple a but it was mainly those double a stats that just jumped off the page 
I just passed because it's our old philosophy, Ryan. Got to see it to believe it thing. What's your thoughts on Jackson Chirio? Yeah, for fear of angering new follower, uh, <laughs> we both got to follow after after getting this award nomination thing. Uh, Jackson Churio's meat hammer. <laughs> so, a lot of ways yeah. you can go with that one. Yep. We, we don't want to offend don't want to Mr. Hammer. That. Mr. Hammer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I don't want it, it's bad to say I'm out, but it's just it's because he is an immense talent. Um, like actually, the projections. So you did mention the projections. Uh, if I give Jackson Churio like 600 plate appearances, the playing time projection is well under that. That you'll see like on Fangraphs, he actually comes out well ahead of his ADP. But like I, I don't think the projections have any idea what Jackson Churio is going to do this year. He's going to be 20 years old facing MLB pitching for the first time. It's just someone who like I don't know. Like I said, neither of us we we want to see it first. We get burned by that uh, sometimes. I know you're writing an article for Fantasy Pros right now where you're looking back at last year's ADP and there was like a, we were talking about this before the show, but there was Corbin Carroll in like the fourth middle or fifth of, round, middle of the fifth ADP at 55. We wanted to see it last year and. I want to say we got burned by it because we didn't like, but we just missed out. And so that could very well happen with Jackson Churio, who, I mean, I, I agree he's going to start on opening day, but uh, it's just someone like both of us are, it's just not the profile we take. Um, again, fully knowing. So I think it was, I put a note when I was prepping here. Um, I probably said the exact same thing about Ronald Acuna. Uh, before Acuna's rookie season, and his ADP was in about the ninth or tenth round. Said the exact mm -hmm. same thing that I just said, and missed out big time. So um, there's that, but it's just not something I I draft for. Yeah, as Rico says, the bad X hates Trio. Yeah, they have him for like 116 games, and there's there's like something to that because just because he got the extension doesn't mean they can't send him to Triple A. Like if he's they have Garrett Mitchell, they have South Frillick, they have options there. He's going to get every opportunity to produce. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying first slip up he goes, but they don't have to. If they want to say, because he, he played six games in AAA, maybe they're like, hey, go run down there some more, kid, get some confidence, work on something, whatever. We'll see. I don't see that happening, but uh, it is an option. Let's just say it is an option. Ask John Singleton how that went. Trio's better than Singleton. Don't take that out of context, Mr. Hammer, but just saying that that is a play. John Poor. Singleton, the John Singleton, Jackson Churio comp. Okay. Didn't think Dude, we'd John, go there, but John Singleton, or Scott Kingery, does that work for you? That works. Yeah, that works. Um, that, that's that's got stinks. Let, let's still let, too. let's stop pissing off the meat hammer, <laughs> the Mister Hammer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jorge Soler, unsigned Jorge Soler. A lot of teams are rumored to be getting some Jorge Soler, but right now he's got an ADP of one sixty, which is kind of juicy if you think he's going to sign somewhere nice because it's kind of how you felt about T. Oscar at one time. Now Justin that starts Turner. Going, yeah, Justin Turner. Yesterday. The second Solaire signs, things start to creep. Dude hit 36 jacks last year, hit 250. Like, sign me up for that. And that was in Miami. Like, sign me up on that on pretty much any offense. Uh, so what's your thoughts on Solaire, who's a guy I have been circling a lot on draft boards? Oh, this is absolutely juicy. I think you need to jump on this, like, as quick as you can. Um, your must, Mr. Hammer. <laughs> yes. Uh, because Ori Solaire is going to sign and he's going to play. This is all just my opinion, but he's good enough. The projections, every basically every projection system has Jorge Soler for, for real life value. And what I use for that is a stat WRC plus where your league average is about a hundred, 
Um, it factors in like on base rate and um, um, like the value of doubles and power and that sort of thing. It's a good real life uh, value statistic. And Jorge Soler is like 124, 120 by basically every projection system. Basically meaning he's a very good real life player. He's going to sign. He's going to play. And I think he's going to mash. He's going to he, – this, this is 40 home run power. Uh, no, Jorge Soler is not going to hit 250 again, I don't think. Uh, it's more like 230, 240. But at 160, I've, this isn't like a Kyle Schwarber at 95. At 160, you can kind of work with that. And I just think once Jorge Soler signs, this ADP will go from 160 to like 130, 140, something like that. Um, again, I'll make that repetitive point that there are, are not many – power bats available at this point and so Jorge Soler to me is like this is the this is the time to get him yeah and then if you're doing redrafts I really love Jorge Soler because god forbid he goes to a bad team or he goes and somehow they're gonna platoon him or something it's an easy drop it's no problem like I love taking a chance on a Soler because his upside we know what it is we've seen what it is it's pretty glorious at this point in the draft so yep. big fan with you on that one Tommy Edmond, ADP 162. He's always an enigma of mine. He's like 13 homers, 27 steals. Like you can almost pencil these stats in. You don't uh, like the guy. The runs dropped tremendously last year. 69, we only played 137 games compared to usual. 47 RBIs, 248 average drops as well. Was battling injuries. Uh, Matt Thompson expects him to be the everyday center fielder in St. Louis because the rest of their outfielders can't play center field. He was very, very... Uh, Honest and open about that one. Uh, so he expects Edmund to play every day out there. Unless Mason Wynn struggles, then Edmund can go to shortstop and Mason Wynn gets sent down. Regardless, Edmund will play pretty much every day, hitting about seventh in that lineup, though. That's the thing. He won't be hitting near the top. So I'm still pretty much out on Edmund, but in a DC with that flexibility, it's pretty nice. I understand the, the appeal there. I'm kind of in wait and see mode with Tommy Edmond. And I don't know. I don't know if Matt touched on this in your pod, but like the wrist injury really, uh, wrist surgery, I should clarify, really kind of scares me right now uh, to where like Edmond is maybe not ready uh, for spring training. And we know how wrists and like that, that can get ugly um, from a strict like projection and playing time and stolen base standpoint. Tommy Edmond, I think, is a pretty decent buy. I just uh, I, I I worry about the wrist. I really worry about the wrist. I know Tommy Edmond isn't a power hitter, but if he has like zero power, that 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 from a real life standpoint, that that could be an easy bat to bench. Uh, so I just I worry about that. But otherwise, I mean, if the wrist checks out, like I feel like this is a good buy. This is someone who is um, again from the projections, like a pretty good batting average, great stolen base source, plays everywhere, and is a non-zero power. Um, like I, I, I much prefer that. I would actually prefer Edmund to TJ Friedel, um, who's going no, early. I'll buck back on that one. Um, assuming we're not we're not doing a bet on it because I don't know what Edmund's <laughs> wrist is. But if, if Edmund was healthy, I'd take him over Friedel. Yeah, we'll we'll remember that one come March. Um, yeah, because that that's on the board. Cedric <laughs> Mullins. I'm do we honestly, have a board? Do I need to like? We'll figure. Do I need it to out. like write on my wall behind all you? Here? All you amazing listeners. Um, We'll figure it out. Um, yeah, Cedric Mullins. This one, I don't know. I can't wrap my head around this one. Is that your board right there? You got it? You I'll, I'll just start writing on my wall. It's fine. It's the I, got, I got a lot years. of white space back here on this wall I can have some fun with. Mm -hmm. um, Cedric Mullins is a conundrum to me because 
It was a couple of years ago. He was great. You know, Justin Mason's 30-30 season, but then he went 16-34. And then last year, 15-19 in 116 games at 233. He is 100% in a platoon. He does not play against lefties, so that will hinder him. The speeds, like, the, you can't deny the speed. I'm not going to say that at all. But the overall power games played, like, all the projection sites have him for 140 games. And if he's in a strict platoon, I have a hard time seeing 140 games. So I'm just – I can't get behind a, a Mullins that's not playing enough, especially with the guy going right after him in this draft. Um, this is my Braxton Garrett. This is my set, Braxton set Garrett. the max pick, huh? Max pick? The, the men. The men. men so, so, yeah. I, he, I, always, if, I always screw it up. The, the earliest, we should yes. say. Um, if you look on uh, – yeah, the NFPC has a their ADP, but then their men and their max the earliest and latest. So Mullins, like 163 ADP. There is a min that says 46 next to it. And yeah, guess who that is? That's, that's this guy. Yeah. Back in back in October. Or no, August. Jesus, when we when we had the Rob D. Pietro whatever draft, meatball draft. Um so yes, I'm I'm responsible for that. But I I think Cedric Mullins is super cheap. Um, I get the platoon thing last year. He did hurt himself in the middle of the season. He had a pretty bad groin strain that I wonder affected his second half or not. Um, I just think this is a guy with a couple years of a pretty good track record. And even into the first half of 2023, Mullins had, had nine home runs, 13 steals and hit 240. Not like fantastic, but not bad. Um, I feel like this is someone with a two and a half year track record that's getting discounted for the way he finished 2023 potentially hurt. So um, I, I realize there's a floor here uh, where it could drop and you're getting a part time player. But I think Mullins is a is a pretty sweet buy where where he's going. I, I, I like the bounce back potential. Um, I was just saying with Edmund, like this is a non zero power bat who's going to get you steals again, assuming the playing time is there. Um, and also isn't going to hurt you in batting average. And again, we're at 163 in the draft. There are not too many guys after this that are able to uh, do that. So I'm I'm actually in on Mullins uh, at at this price. I think the price is pretty cheap. I wouldn't say he's a non-zero power bat. I think he's got more power than Tommy Edmund. Uh, I'd be willing to go to bat on that one. So yeah, yeah, we'll see where that goes. But this next guy is very appealing to me, and maybe I'm buying into the hype too much on this one. But I've liked Jaron Duran for a while. I know he was a waiver wire pickup a year or two ago that I was a fan of and much, much more. And this last year with Mr. Duran is age 26 season. I remind people of that eight homers, 24 steals, 295 average in 102 games should be the everyday center fielder should even lead off with Alex Verdugo out of the way. So like to me, maybe I'm biased. I think projections are pretty low on Jaron Duran. Uh, I, I like the upside of Jaron Duran. I take Duran over the last two guys we just talked about. So what's your thoughts on Jaron Durant? Probably my second favorite buy outside okay, of Say Suzuki. So um, I'm on board with you, man. Um, and actually, so I, I'm using the, the HQ, Baseball HQ and the Bad X projections on my little little sheet here. They actually love Duran. Duran's the 102nd hitter off the board, projected to finish 66th. Uh, had an upside projection in the forecaster of, I think, 15 homers, 40 steals. Um, I get there's some, some strikeout issues and there's not like a whole lot of pop, 
but uh, you made the case for him quite well. So I'm not going to rehash those points, but I just think leading off um, in Boston. And I, I don't even think like he'll definitely lead off against righties. Uh, I think they gave him a shot against lefties. Who? I mean, who they, else? They want his. They want his glove out there. Yep. I mean, and who else? I mean, sorry to piss off the Red Sox fans, but like they're not that deep. <laughs> you know, the uh, top of their order is good, but it goes pretty quick after that. Yeah. So uh, I, I I really like Jaron Duran uh, where he's going. I I I would be all over him, and I am. Yep. I think that's a good one to do that with. White Langford, your 39th outfielder off the board, ADPS 171. The second prospect on this show that has not seen a pitch in the majors that we're talking about on the top 40 outfielders. Um, it's like people probably already are mad at me because they know what I'm going to say in this scenario. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he was great in the minors. Not going to deny that. Really good. He went from the literally rookie ball through A, double A, triple A. Went through four levels at his age 21 season. He 22 next year. He had 10 total home runs and 12 stolen bases. Over 27, 39, 44 games, which is good. But again, it was literally like, how fast could we get him through the minors? I'm going to take a step back on that one and watch and see. Agreed. And I don't even, I mean, I don't even know if he makes the opening day roster, to be honest with you. Like, Texas's outfield is pretty set right yep. now. So they'd have to, uh, yeah, the replacement level is quite high. Um, so I, I, I think, and given given the rapid ascent that you were just talking to Bubba, like I don't know, this this could go south uh, quickly. That said, I mean, White Langford is a consensus top five prospect, so um, I get it. Um, it's interesting that Jackson Churio is going like twenty picks ahead. I, I'd rather have, I think Churio. I think Churio's more locked into the job on opening day. Agreed. Agreed. But uh, I just I don't think Langford starts on opening day, and then depending on your league format or whatever, um, that's that's a roster spot that you're just holding and holding. Like, what if he's not up through April? What if he's what if it's mid May? You've got some injuries. Like, are you still holding on to him? I I I don't know. I, I I'm not taking him. Not yep. taking him. I'm with you. I will be a hundred percent cool if he proves me wrong. I just exactly. I I don't. I just don't see where the path is because with Leodi, with Evan Carter, who will platoon, but Adelise Garcia, you don't want to DH Wyatt Langford. No, like you, you don't want to DH. Do you DH Adelise. Okay, maybe if you want to, but there's just so many moving parts there. And injuries will happen, which will help with this. But at the same time, like you're gonna project injuries now to project playing time. Like that's like good luck. Get your Ouija board out if you want, or Magic Eight Ball, whatever you want. Like it's just that's complicated. It's all get up. So, um, yeah, I just wait and see on that one and see where it goes. The one, the case, not to just before we move on, the case for Langford is if you do give him a full season of plate appearances, it's it's awesome. It's pretty sick. It's pretty but, sick. Okay, but we say that, but how do we know? Yes. Like, Good like I said, he went from rookie ball to AAA and played less than 50 baseball games yeah, last year. It's and very it's hard to project. It's doable. Don't get me wrong, but my God, how do you project that? That's my hardest part. Look at the projection site. It's like, and they, they've said it, Cardi, Ariel, they've all said projecting rookies is the hardest thing to do. Like it, it's because you have no idea. There's so many layers to it. Guys like develop at different stages. Yeah. That's, this is just supporting the case why we just kind of sit back and watch on these ones. Like give me the guys going right before him or right after him that we've seen at least do it for a couple of years. And this next guy I like a lot. That might be foolish. I have been told that many times in my life, but Chaz McCormick 
has an ADP of 175. Uh, last year in 115 games with 22 and 19 with 70 RBIs, hitting 273. Um, they only have most projection sites, like the Bad X came out, 129 games, ATC 129 games. They got them for about 17 to 20 homers, 14, 15 steals. A 250 average is a big drop off from 273. If you want to take the bag numbers drop off, that's fine. But the power speed, I think, is very, very legit. And he's supposed to play every day, like relatively every single day. So that's why the 129 games I don't really adjust to. So what I like about Chaz is it's a 2020 guy at pick 175. I think he is a 2020 guy. I could be wrong. Tell me I'm wrong, and I'll accept that. No, I think you're right. That's I why I don't, right. the AD, I don't understand the ADP. He's almost, almost, if you look at the projections, if you say 2020 but keep the batting average and whatnot, he's Randy Rosarena, folks. Yeah, he is. I mean, you're, you're, the reason he's cheaper is there's no track record. And yep. so, like, there's that. But, um, yeah, I mean, he did. McCormick did 2020 last year in 457 plate appearances. Uh-huh. So even if you bake in a fallback, uh, which is likely, but like I think it's I think it's going to be gentle. The the barrel rate was fantastic for Chaz McCormick. He had a green total green light in Houston. I mean, new manager in town. Like, will that happen again? I I don't know, but probably. Um, and I like you were saying, this is the year that Chaz gets that full time shot. Uh, Houston is Houston is not very deep. We mentioned you mentioned your boy earlier, John Singleton. I mean, he's. He's on the bench. Um, there's there's literally a guy I've never heard of, um, Gray Kessinger. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like an author from like 1865. Uh, he's he's on Houston's bench. Like there's just not much competition for Chaz McCormick in the outfield right now. And so I think the playing time's safe. Uh, the Rosarena comp is very interesting. I um, – I get it. And 100, what, 140 picks later? Chaz McCormick, yeah, is is bolded on my sheet, we'll just say. Um, yeah, I have a lot of shares already wherever I can get him. He's on my squads. And I think there is, we'll probably talk about these next, this next group of outfielders next show. Yep. I feel like there is a legitimate Grand Canyon size cliff after Chaz McCormick yep. in drafts right now at 175. Mm-hmm. So, like, get your Chaz. Yep, get your Chaz, be happy. Like, if you can get a Chaz, a Randy, and just one other, like, decent four-and-a-half category guy, that sets you up for some massive success on your teams. And, like, that's the art of, art of building a team. It's the fun part of drafting, but it's also an art because it's not that simple. But uh, that goes a long way if you can do it. Like, Chaz is uh, ADP 175 in a 15-team league. It's in the middle of round 11 right now. Uh, in a 12-team league, it's round 14-and-a-half give or take. So if you think about it that way, let's say in a 15-team league, around 11 or 12, you want to have at least four outfielders. <laughs> it's tough to do. It's very tough. Tough to do. It, but it, I could live with three if you have like a Chaz or Randy and someone else, that like those kind of stables. But if you have some kind of holes in the profiles, that's why I want to point out the round we we're talking about because ADP is one thing, but you're talking round because it does start getting getting crazy as we go down this list here and uh, it happens every year at the outfield, I guess, but it's more of a, you're, you're getting two to three category guys here pretty soon. And then you start, and then at least my flaw potentially is I'll start drafting and I'll be like, Oh, you know what? Two to three guys, 
well, I can go get a four-category middle infielder right now, when in reality I should probably take the two- to three-category outfielder before it goes to become a one- to two-category outfielder. And um, that's why doing all the drafts we do early kind of points those things out to us. Yep, very well said. Any final thoughts on the 21 through 40 before we do some listeners came through with some good listener questions this week? Yeah, a lot of really good listener questions. So let, let's get to those. Um, but no, a lot of, I mean, honestly, like good number of targets here. More than I thought I would, uh, we would uncover uh, so far through two episodes. Oh, so yeah, we'll finish out outfield uh, next show with some more pocket stuff. But uh, I don't know, a good a good number of names that I'm that I think we're both pretty high on in this in this range. One last McCormick nugget: um, if you stack on underdog and you're on the back end yeah. of the twelve teams and you get a Tucker or Jordan early. You can get a Bregman like two rounds later, and then you wait and get McCormick later. It's a nice little three-man stack. Just going to throw it out there to you. Then you got to root for Houston, man. I root for my fantasy teams, Bloomfield. Very simple game we play here. You tell me you're not going to draft a Houston stack if it falls to you in a regular draft because you don't want to root for Houston? No, I I can't. I can't. I can't. I cannot argue with you on this, (laughs) even though as much as I like to try and pick fights with you. The, the, the last thing I want to ask before we do listener questions. So, like I said, let's just say round 12. Let's say McCormick ends round 12. That's what we're talking here. And you're in a 15 team league. How many outfielders do you want to get? Like, how many? Like, what number is McCormick? No. Do you want to have at least three outfielders? Do you like how for you to feel comfortable about your squad? What's like your, like, obviously things change, drafts change, things change. What's your goal? I mean, realistically, you'd be my third one. Okay. Because you can't in in, in fifteen teamers, you can't you can't have McCormick as your fourth and have two closers yeah. at that point and have two aces and have yeah, it's tough. Yeah. At least one catcher, although those kids. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, three catchers, catcher. on, three yeah. three catchers for Bubba's team. Yeah, you can't have all get, that because then you get stuck right. with like Nick Fortes if you start punting and stuff. It's crazy. Renee Pinto is the name. Renee Pinto. Yeah, it's just it's not pretty. It's not pretty. But all right. Listener questions, as you like I said, you all came through in a big way for us here. We'll kick it off with Doink Town Danny. Best OBP gyms in this range. Any fellas who get on base and also hit fat doinks. Love you guys. Thanks for entertaining my winter fancy baseball degeneracy. Okay. Schwarber's the easy one, Bloomfield. Let's go past Schwarber. Who's your next? Oh, come uh, on. That's who I was going to say, man. He doinks it all what over the place. Doing? He's the Schwarbomb Schwar doinks. Um, who else you got here in the uh, the OBP department? So there are a few of them. I'll actually I'll uh, I'll say Evan Carter. So for as Free much as I kind of crapped on Carter for being a better real life player than um, than not, uh, Evan Carter's patience can very much be rewarded in OBP leagues. I'll go Evan Carter. I will go with Ian Happ. Dude walked fourteen percent of the time last year. He he usually has at least ten percent plus walk rate. I didn't know it was that high. Jeez. Yeah, he he walked a ton last year. Um, 360 OBP for yeah. Ian Happ last year. Wow. So, Ian Happy, my dude in this range for your OBP doinkness. Uh, Doink Town Danny has another question. Do you guys have a favorite go-to projection system? Um, yes, I have two. two. Um, well, really three, but I, I, I use for my, my, my stats, I use the baseball HQ projections, which, um, Yes, I do work for the site, but I'm also involved very much in how those projections are made. I think it's a great blend of an algorithm plus human um, intervention, I should say, from both a playing time and 
like a skills validation check, and I combine um, that with the bat X for my hitters. For pitchers, I project myself. I think pitcher projections are very difficult given how fast pitchers can change, so I project those all manually. Um, and a shout-out to the ATC projections that we're using on this site. The ATC projections, for those who aren't aware, is more of an aggregation of quote-unquote original projection system. So ATC kind of takes an average or an aggregate of multiple uh, projection systems based on how they have done um, in the past, weights them differently, all that stuff. But, uh, but though, you know, any of those three steamers, fine. Um, try and combine two of them just so you don't get like crazy outliers. But uh, yeah, that's what I use. Yep. I'm a, I'm a bat X slash ATC guy. That's where I'm usually going, but I got to start using some HQ ones. I haven't really got into those yet, but as you guys know, no one has caveman projections. Um, BP at futures underscore bet. Jaron Duran, is it crazy to think he can go 20, 40 defense good enough for him to get everyday playing time in the Boston Alphalet and get the at-bats? Thanks. You said HQ think so. Yeah, uh, maybe not 20 bombs. I don't know if the power is there for that, but I uh, could definitely do 40 bags for sure. He sold 24 in 360 plate appearances last yep. year. So, Yeah, there could be like 115 runs scored and 40 stolen bases with some a little bit of pop in an average. Like, there's a lot to like with Jaron Duran. Uh, Brock Tyson asks, over under seven and a half stolen bases for Kerry Carpenter. I know he doesn't have the minor league track record, but uh, 70 sprint speed and all six stolen bases in the last two months of the season without being picked off. Um, I, I'll take the over. What was the over under at? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, he was perfect. I'll still go the under. I don't think he's that fast as much as I hate to, uh, to hate on a fellow Virginia Tech grad. Where's it at? <laughs> Where's that? Kerry Carpenter. Um, I'll, I'll take the under. However, Kerry Carpenter, we didn't get to him. We'll probably talk about it next, next week. week. Love the love the power batting average combo. Yep, for sure. Everybody, Thomas Travato asks, at what point would you want to have all three starting outfielders in a three outfielder, one utility league? It's 16 teams, 24 players. That's a whole, whole lot of draft picks there. You need three outfielders. Um, 16 teams, 16 teams and three outfielders. Yeah. So that's what 48 and, and four utilities. Let's just say four just for fun. Four times 16, 64. We just went over 40. Yeah. I think you can uh, wait a while. <laughs> I think you can wait too. I think you want to yeah. maybe grab a couple outfielders. Uh, maybe, yeah, just two guys that we've talked about here, but for that last one, because I mean, invariably you're going to need a, a boatload at other position in a 16 teamer. That's yeah. tough. Uh, I, I think scarcity team. elsewhere will take over. Yep. yep. The reason why we say outfield scarcity is most of us play five outfielder leagues. That's where it gets scarce. If this was a three outfield position, I would not be nearly as concerned with what's going on. Yeah. So, um, do do do. Brant Chester, congrats on your nomination as well for out, uh, continuing series in fantasy baseball. Yes. That was a big one. Uh, which speed st source do you prefer, Mullins, Edmund, or Duran? Thanks you for the pod. I think we can agree on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go Duran, Mullins, Edmund. I but I think all three great options, and they're all. It's a great question because they're all the same exact ADP in the mid 160s. Um, that's how I'd go. 
I know you'd have Edmund last. Edmund could move up to second ahead of Mullins yeah, if he's healthy. You. If he's healthy, I'd have more Mullins. I just worry about Mullins' platoon situations. Could be overthinking it. But you, you've uh, been talking to Curlin too much. Come no, on. no, no. Every you no, know, we all listen to Curlin talk. We don't talk to Curlin. There's a difference in that <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, I got Duran first for sure. Do we listen to Curlin talk? <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything. Um, quick second question from BP Who is the 2024 AL rookie of the year and why is it Wyatt Langford? Thanks again. I'm gonna be totally honest. I don't even know who's all eligible for rookie of the year right now. I haven't even gotten that far in my um baseball looks, but uh, Langford's near the top. I know that much. Uh, sorry, Carla. I'm just joking, man. No, you're not. Stop it. Um, what was the question? AL who rookie is, of the year. Yeah, why is what? Why? Why is it Wyatt Langford? Yeah. I don't even know who else is going to be eligible right now. Yeah, it's tough. I'm uh, about that. Give me one second, actually. Let me pull, pull up DK Sports, but I, heard, there's, I was uh, just gonna look up AL Rookie of the Year odds. Yeah, baseball. It's it's funny that um, so I just googled it. It's posted on MLB.com. Uh, That's ironic. Know. Rookie of the Year. I got you right here. Jackson Holiday, Wyatt Langford Jr., Caminero, Colt Keith, who got his extension. Uh, those are your four. Or no, it goes Holiday, Evan Carter, Langford, Nolan Chanel from Anaheim. Kamenaro, Parker Meadows still qualifies. Colt Keith, Willier Abreu. Those are your top eight. If you want to go 10, Kirstead and Everson Pereira. There's other farther ones down the list, but there's better options than I thought on that one. I go I'll, go Lang- I'll go Langford. I'll go Langford. If he's yeah, if he's up there right away, he's got a chance. I don't even think he needs to be up right away. Like, I don't yeah, you're know. Pro- you're probably uh, right. These other guys. I mean, Colt Keith. Will be up, I guess, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll agree with the question and say it is. He, he's, he's six to one odds. He's the third best odds. Um, for fun, I'll. He's just boring, but he'll play every day at the top of the order. I'll say Parker, but he's just boring, but he'll play every single day. You just drafted him in our uh, F pass. Yeah, draft. he's he's great for that format. Now, Sedan Raffaello is down there at forty to one, but he's not going to play every day because they got Tyler O'Neill. So that sucks, but. Um, Man, I guess Langford. I don't know. This is tough because I want to say Evan Carter because he'll be there out the gate, but Langford's better than Evan Carter. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, uh, Dynasty Junkies says, any late, late, late Dylan Cruz interest? Uh, It's got to be late, late, late. We talked to uh, Lauren Arbach about him, and they said he'll be up eventually, but when, where, how is a lot of questions with Washington. And I trust Lauren on that. So, yeah, it's yeah. tough. That's my two cents, but I could be wrong. But in a late, 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 late DC. Yeah, it depends how many lates. But Because uh, if you're looking at uh, ADP of late, his ADP is 530. He's gone out of 435 to 628. If you get that 600 range and you are someone that takes prospects, I could see it. I'll say that much. And I do talk a lot about timing with your DCs. Like yeah. it is, it is helpful, valuable to have someone who you think will be up in either from injury or a call up in August because you're starting lineup right now and a DC will look nothing like it will in August. So, and, and Cruz is good. Cruz is good. Just more of more seasoning and getting the chance. Eric Samolski, congratulations as usual. Where does because he's on the Roto World podcast? Uh, where does Wyatt Langford play? Outfield seems set with Garcia, Carter, Leoti. Uh, the Rangers have hinted they don't want to call Langford up to DH. The ADP is so high. 
but isn't it just as likely a guy like Justin Foscue gets a shot to DH out the gate? We agree with you, Eric. Yeah, that's basically what we said earlier. Yeah. So good to be on Eric's side. Uh, smart, smart guy. Yep, I don't know where he plays, and that's the the holdup at the moment. But we've seen prospects in a spring training force the hand. So keep and an injuries. eye on those scenarios. And injuries. Well. Our buddy Ed DeCaria, DeCaria sorry, uh, really good writer over at Baseball HQ. So the average team's second and third outfielders will come from this list. Cool, cool. He's being sarcastic, but yeah, it's pretty right. Pretty right. Right on the number there. Ed, man, come on. Not a bad crop. You can get you can, you can go shopping for some Suzuki, some Teoscar, some Santander. You go in the in the express lane and get Cedric Mullins, Jaron Duran, all kinds of options here. I like it. All right. Michael C has a question for us. Um, who are your favorite breakouts values after 150? I like Chaz could do what Lane did four to five rounds later. We we love Chaz. Uh, Nimmo, boring, but average runs should be big. By what point do you want four outfielders? Very latest for me is Newt Bar at 200. Congrats again on the FSWA nomination. Yeah, so he wants four you. outfielders by pick 200. Yep, which which is doable. Um, yep. I mean, we'll talk about some of these guys next week. We mentioned Carpenter real quick. Actually, I think Dalton Farsho. Yes, if he's, he's growing, he's growing he, on me. Yeah, um, especially if you have a batting average cushion built up. I think you can you can go 25-15 or something from from Varsho. So yeah. Varsho's growing on me. Christopher Morell, they've really, really like um who the hell? Council. He said, we're gonna do everything we can to find a spot for him to play every day. If he has to rotate a platoon, whatever, but he's gonna play every day because he wants that batting lineup. That's ridiculous Ooh, power with some speed. Yeah. Like uh-huh. that's a ton of power and speed. And Tyler O'Neill, I just and at the ADP, I keep looking at him. It's interesting to me. That's all I can say. But yeah, I'm with you. By pick 200, I want to. I'd love to have at least four. I'll say that much for sure yeah. in, in and, that scenario. And, and much more to come on this uh, this group next yes. week. We'll hit up all these guys and much much more. The goal is to get close to ADP or the overall top 100. By the times all said and done, different format next week. Bloomboard might be a little tough to go by next week, but we'll get you guys covered. Final thoughts on the episode, Mr. Bloomfield, as we wrap up episode 103. First episode as FSWA-nominated podcast host. Yep. Congrats again, my friend. Um, and we will get – yes, we will We will get the ball rolling on these auction leagues. They're very – like I said, we've, we've confirmed the dates. We'll get the survey out, and we'll start getting some some leagues filled up. So I can't wait for that. It's going to be It's going to be a blast. Yeah, this time next month, all four drafts will be completed. So uh, that's, that's you're pretty, right. It's that's pretty crazy to think about, folks. It's gonna be yeah. rocking and rolling here. So first draft led in less than three weeks. So yep, yep. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. Again, if you're still interested, let us know. But I'll try to get the survey stuff done here in the next day or two. Get that out to y'all so you can get that filled out, and we'll like lock in everybody and get the trash talking to its fullest and best potential along the way. But until Thursday, we'll be back, to you guys, to wrap up the outfield position. You can check out Ryan on the Twitter at RyanBHQ, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. I'm at BD Intric. This is Bubba and the Bloom, episode 103. Catch you all next time. Mm-hmm.